Well, I'm not going to pick on Pastor tonight. He's been too nice to me to, for me to do that. And, uh, but it's a joy to be here. You know, there's no way really for us missionaries to describe, or at least I don't know how to describe the joy of it. I mean, the, our command and your theme this week is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And God looked down many years ago, 55 years ago, and saw a little country boy from a broken home and said, you know, I can use you. And just think about that. Isn't that amazing? And it changed my life. And of course, Linda and I, we married young and God gave us wonderful children and we set out for Africa. And and then after 20 years there, other places around the world. But the joy now on the other, this my side of it, to go back to places we have been, it makes you read the book of Acts with a different thought. When you see Paul going out and winning people and planting a church, and then they would go back to those churches and see what God had done since they left there. Back last November, Linda and I had the privilege of going, uh, well, we were all over the place, 16,000 miles, September, October, November. But we were in four different churches in Alaska in November. That's crazy. But the first church that I was in, I did their missions conference. The pastor of that church, I led him to the Lord. Graduated from our Christian school, went to Bible college, met his wife, worked in the church in Withville, Virginia, and God called him to Alaska. You know what that does to the heart of a missionary when he goes to some place that you won that person to the Lord? Amen. And you disciple them. See, let me start by saying this. Missions is much more than just winning people to Christ. Now, I'm not saying that's not important. It is. That's the easy part of missions. The, the hard part is staying with it to go there to that place God's sending you and love those people. Amen. Plant yourself there. Pour your heart and life out into them. And so we got to see that in Alaska. And what a blessing to be in a place like that. Let me tell you one more little story before I preach. Do I have any little stories? Well, anyway, a story. Uh, you all know we worked for 16 years in a Muslim country, and then we were asked to go down to Zaire back in those days, right out in the middle of the jungle. And uh, we had a lot of fun down there and still do. Uh, not so long ago, Pastor, I preached for Brother Bob Wall at Faithway Baptist up in Ajax, Ontario, Canada. And one of those Senegalese men that I knew well was kind of my, my the pastor, African pastor's brother. And he was a young man back then, hung out with... Kind of, I was discipling him. Uh, 800 of those young men and women trekked across the jungle after we left there and all that trouble going on, got to Malawi and got refugee status under 800 of those Congolese in Edmonton, Canada. Praise the Lord. And he, he heard I was preaching for Brother Wall and he flew from Edmonton all the way to Toronto. So I'm up preaching and here's one of those men that was in the ministry there in the Congo. But I got to go back there. My wife was too smart to go back. I mean, not that we love, she wanted to go, but it's, it's a murderous trip. Uh, two days of flying, and then I, I rode for two days and two nights in an old beat-up Toyota Land Cruiser up and down mountains and out through that jungle. Brother Air Bowman, who's our Africa director, went with me, and he was supposed to be my bodyguard. But, um, so we went back out there. 
and we were riding along in the night, uh, and I was just about ready to collapse. And I'll tell you why. I thought I had something. The doctor was treating me for one thing, but it was the wrong thing. I had a half-inch kidney stone in this left kidney, and I had another big kidney stone. That goes back to my desert days, I guess, of getting dehydrated. But anyway, I wasn't feeling so well. We were driving on two nights, and then that, that second night we were getting close, and the pastor, I heard a noise. Did I tell you that last night already? I don't think so. Last we were we were riding along, and I started hearing this noise, and I said to Pastor Mukelku, Pastor, what is that? He said, Pastor Jonas, they know you're coming. I don't know if you can picture. We would drive into this village in the dark, down a dirt road, and the Christians were lined up down both sides of the road with palm fronds. <laughs> singing hymns. Oh, and uh, we'd drive into the center of the village and I would get out and everybody would gather and I'd give them a little sermon, a little challenge and they would, I'd pray with them and then I'd get back into that vehicle and we'd go to the next village and it was the same picture. And then we got close to where Linda and I used to live and our three younger kids and you go down a big mountain, cross a river and going up the other side of the, up our mountain in four-wheel drive in the sand, bouncing along three or four miles an hour. And halfway up that mountain, all those hundreds of people were waiting. And they just would fall in behind that vehicle and follow us up the mountain singing. Now, you know what I was doing by then? I was blubbering like a little baby. I mean, I knew it was going to be emotional, but I had no idea. And we got up there, and people gathered by the hundreds. You couldn't see them. It was dark. And uh, we, they prayed. We prayed. And the, so the next day, uh, Brother Bowman, first time there, I was showing him around our village. Now, think about this. I had not been there for 20 years. And people were coming up, Pastor, you won me to Christ. Pastor, you baptized me down there in the... In the pond, I, I need to take Pastor Townsley with me to show him how to baptize. <clears throat> we baptize three people at a time. I'd go out in the pond or the river with three, uh, with two other pastors, African pastors and myself, and the deacons would bring us three short people. We'd get a little deeper water, they'd bring us three a little taller, and we just... <laughs> And we had baptized 35, 40, 50 people at a time. And that Pastor, you, you baptized me down there in the pond. Uh, pastor, you taught me the Bible. So I, I started showing Brother Bowman around the village. And the people were saying, Pastor Jonas, Pastor Venezisi, come over here. This is, you have to meet my family. This is our daughter. Well, I got to stop and tell you before I finish that story. Our three younger kids who live with us there, Bonita, Lydia, and Robert. Benita and Lydia were born in Africa. Robert was two months old when we took him back there, took him there. And we went to each house and, and they would say, Pastor, come over here. You have, to meet our, my, you have to meet my children. This is our daughter, Bonita. And we go to another house. Pastor, this is Lydia. Pastor, this is Robert. <laughs> and there are dozens and dozens of little African kids out in the middle of the jungle named Benita, Lydia, and Robert. <laughs> I came back and Pastor Mukelko sent me a, a well, WhatsApp. How many, 
when my phone rings, you never know who it is, where they're at. <clears throat> but he, he called me or sent me something on WhatsApp and said, Pastor Malini, that's his daughter. She grew up, my girls, they pounded foo-foo together. Malini just had, a, just had a, a new little baby boy and they named him Jonas Godfrey. That, now that is cruel and unusual <laughs> punishment. Now I'm telling you the story, if I didn't preach, I just want you to hear these folk are going to go to their places, to their mission fields. And they're going to stay there and they're going to love those people and they're going to win them to Christ and start a church. But down the road, they're going to meet grandkids because those people are going to win somebody else. And they're going to go back and see what God has done and is still doing. Well, having said that, that's my story. It's not my only story probably, but I want you to open your Bibles tonight to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. I want to talk tonight about the command of missions. Well, that's what your theme is this year. The command. Going all the world. Now, what is that? You know, have you ever heard people say, well, I just don't understand the Bible. What don't you understand about? Go into all the world. Well, or what don't you understand about for God so loved the world that he gave? His only begotten son. Well, in Matthew chapter 4, there's a verse number 19. I'm going to read some more verses. But in verse number 19, And he, Jesus, said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Well, that in a sense is the same thing we just saw. Go in all the world and preach the gospel. Christ is just describing. Don't you love the way that Christ taught? Simple things about the sower going out and fishermen and, and just a, the greatest teacher who ever lived. But that verse, I will make you fishers of men, you probably won't really get that verse unless you back up a few verses. And I'm going to back up to verse number 12 in, in Matthew chapter 4. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum which is upon the seacoast in the borders of Zebulun and Nephthalim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtalim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Now look at this. The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death... Light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other brethren, uh, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed after him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And I, let me read the verse part of verse 24 also. And his fame went throughout all uh, Syria, and they brought unto him 
all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases. I'll talk in a moment about who that they was. But I want you to look at this. You're never going to understand what Jesus said about, I will make you fishers of men until you understand the reason we need to fish for men is because they are sitting in darkness in the region and shadow of death. Last night, they started this clock, Brother Beeman. Last night, this conference started, and that many people have died since last night. That's sort of shocking, isn't it? Let me add an element to that. If 160 some odd thousand people died since last night, did you understand that about 350,000 people have been born since last night? Because every time somebody dies, there's two, two point some odd. What's, what's point of a person? I don't know. But anyway, every time one dies, two more plus are born. You know what that means? That means the population growth in our world in the last 50 years so old men like Pastor myself. I mean, when we were born, did you realize there were only like maybe three billion people in the world? And now they're 7.8. How many people, how do you describe a billion people? I've been in some of the busiest places in the world. I've crossed the crosswalk in Tokyo, Japan. You come up out, out of probably the busiest train station in the world there in Tokyo, and there's a crosswalk when you come up, it's down underground, you come up, and 250,000 people every day cross that crosswalk. Millions of people, Tokyo, probably 35 plus million people in the Tokyo area. One of my good friends, Pete and Gene Heath, they were missionaries for many years in Japan, and he's a fellow Marine, and they were in a train. Now, have you ever been, anybody, some of you military, maybe been in trains in Japan? They have people that work for the train station. And when those doors open at peak times, they, they got men that work there, and they wear boots. And when people start in, they can't all get in. They take their boots and push them in and close the doors. And you can take a nap going home because you can't fall. So my friends were in the, they were in the train like that one day and they're going down tracks and, and Pete, my, my good friend, his nose started to itch. And he thought, I, I've got to get my handkerchief. And he had to go through all kind of contortions and he finally got his handkerchief up to blow his nose and it wasn't his handkerchief. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, now, I'll have fun. I know I have too much fun. But when you just think about, there are people all over this world, they're sitting in darkness right now. They have no hope like we have. They know nothing about the joy of knowing you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, you have good friends in a church like this, uh, God's so good to us, but there's so many people out there sitting in darkness. But let me give you the other thought here. Jesus wants to save them. We just read, he, he traveled about, he preached, he did good. And he called his disciples and he told them to do the same thing. Again, that's exactly why we have missions conference. Missions is not about a select few going to the Philippines and Central, South America or to Africa. It's about all of us. Ordinary men and women 
can do it. It's not rocket science. Jesus said, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And these people who were saved, I just, verse 24 says, and they brought them unto him. Who was they? These people had been saved. These people had been healed. These people who had met Jesus, they were bringing everybody else to meet him. In John chapter 1, you don't need to turn there, but in John chapter 1, Jesus appears and John the Baptist is there baptizing. And John the Baptist says, um, if I was speaking, preaching in Senegal in Wolof, he, he would say, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And some men standing there who had followed John, they heard him say that, and they followed Jesus. One of them was Simon Peter. We read about him in this passage tonight. When Peter heard it, he, you know what? The first thing he did, he went and found his brother. And then Philip brings Nathaniel and uh, fishing for men is what we need to do. You say, well, Brother Godfrey, it's missions conference. I know it is. Missions conference is not just for those going out there. Missions conference is for every one of us. And these men met Jesus and the first thing they wanted to do was go find their brothers and their sisters in the towns of Israel and Samaria and then to the, the world. And really it starts from door to door and from shore to shore and missions is everywhere. Going to all the world and preach the gospel. There are a lot of us, I'm afraid, we get so involved in so many sometimes unscriptural activities that we don't think we have time to go tell people about Jesus. God's directions here are very simple. This is what the missionary does. He invests his life in bringing people to Christ. Because the only, look folks, the only thing that will really change a person's life for good is Jesus Christ. All the counselors, I'm not opposed to the counselors, but all the counseling in the world won't change somebody's life, but meeting Jesus will. Now last night, you remember I told you that my sermons are simple. How many of you, I was going to say, do you believe me? I hope you do. Well, if you didn't last night, you will tonight. Uh, because I want to give you the most simple outline you probably have ever heard. Even if you don't write it down, I hope, I hope it'll get stuck in your mind. Three simple points again tonight. Now, you don't have to have three points to, be a, <laughs> to preach. But you don't want 30. Not in the same sermon anyway. Let me give you my points tonight. The first one is very simple. Jesus said these words. Go fish. You've not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's not complicated. Jesus said, go fish. That's our purpose, that's our goal, that's our reward. Seeing people, and I told you the story tonight. You know why I told, part one reason I told you that? Because it illustrates what I'm trying to preach tonight. I went and fished, and I caught some. <laughs> and there are places in the world where it's easier to catch fish than it is in some other places. I personally believe the Philippines may be the most open mission field in the world today. I mean, I love it. I, I've been from Gen, General Santos in the south to Ilocos, North 
stay in the north and bite everywhere in between. And I love it, and they love me because I eat Adidas and shoestrings. That's chicken feet and chicken intestines. And I like Balut. And, but I, they, they, I go out. You know what makes a good missionary? Somebody that will go and fall in love with those people. Amen. It's not always easy to do that. They do things differently. It's okay. Difference not always bad. But when you go out and you see people and you realize, if we can just introduce them to Jesus, we need a vision of the world. We need to see young people, old people, Jews and Greeks. We need to see the tribal people, the cities, the suburbs, the islands, the desert, the jungles in our neighborhood. Mel Rudder, you remember Mel Rudder probably from Temple Days. He's been in heaven for years, was a great missionary statesman and pastor down in Mississippi. I heard him say more than once, anything short of world evangelism is treason. Jesus said, it's not complicated, go fish. Betty Stam, you know that name? John and Betty Stam went to China as young people, newly married, Boxer Rebellion time in the 40s, and before many months on the field, they were beheaded. Betty Stam wrote, when she was just a young girl, open my eyes that I may see this one and that one needing the hearts that are dumb, unsatisfied, lives that are dead, for whom Christ died. Open my eyes in faith, I pray. Give me the strength to speak today, someone to bring your Lord to thee. Use me, O Lord. Use even me. Jesus said, go fish. How many, I won't ask you how many of you like to fish. But if you fish at all, most of the time when we go fishing, we expect to catch something. Most of us like to eat them. Senegal, the, the daily meal was chebujin, rice and fish. I mean, and it was good fish, and it was hot and spicy, and anything hot and spicy is good. But did you know that you don't catch all fish in the same way? Sometimes people go out in boats and they fish in the ocean. Sometimes they take a cane pole out and fish in a, a, a river somewhere. Uh, they may fish with a net. Did you, let me give you an example just briefly. In John chapter 3 and 4, the Gospel of John, Jesus fished, fished himself in two different ways. First time he went fishing, he went to the religious community and a man named Nicodemus. And Jesus looked at that religious guy and said, Nicodemus, if you don't get born again, you're going to hell. That's not exactly what, but Nicodemus, you must be born again. If you don't get born again, you'll not see the kingdom of God. And Jesus dealt with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. But if you look in chapter 4 at the woman at the well, Jesus dealt with her in a totally different way. So, when God sends you to a place, it's a Muslim culture, you learn the way you need to do it there. Well, my first point, somebody say, amen, I'm finished. The first point, amen. go fish. You remember that? Let me give you my second point. Over in Luke's gospel, chapter 5, I'm not going to read this passage, but in, in Luke chapter 5, in the first part of it, Jesus uh, had been preaching and people came from everywhere and, and uh he was pressed. All these people were trying to get to Jesus, and there he was. And he asked Peter, Peter, would you take me out in your boat so that I've got a little space? 
And you remember, you remember the story, and then after Jesus had spoken, he said, told Peter, Peter, go out there and, and let down your nets to catch some fish. And in this particular story, it gives me my second point. The first point was simple, go fish. The second point is simple but sad. Those disciples had to look, look at Jesus and say, Lord, no fish. Lord, we, we fished all night and we didn't catch any fish. Think about that a moment. What a shame that these experts, they were fishermen and they didn't have one single fish to offer their Lord. Now we, each, every one of us in this church tonight must answer the question of whether we have fish or not. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before my master and say, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I don't have any fish. You told me to go fish. Lord, I've been, maybe I've tried, maybe I haven't. Why in the world would there be no fish? Well, I think there are several reasons. Number one, a person that has no vital experience with Christ themselves, they're not going to catch fish. They don't care a thing about that. Did you know there are a lot of people in our churches, about, I got to park here just a second. You all better thank God that you're in a church with a pastor who loves the world. Amen. And he loves Christ and he believes that we ought to go fish. We ought to be fishing right here and we ought to be fishing in your state. We ought to be fishing all over the world. But there are a lot of Americans that are just totally ignorant of actual conditions in the world. I've had people way back say, why, we, why do you want to go to Africa? Just leave them alone. They're happy they've got their religion. I was flying somewhere and Linda wasn't with me and it was a smaller airplane. You're two seats on either side. I don't like them, but... I'm in them a lot. And this guy, man, sat beside me, and he, I started trying to witness to him, and he said he was an executive with IBM, but he said to me, I'm a Catholic, sir, I don't have time to talk about that. And he's got his laptop, and he's working on his laptop, and you know, so we flew, and we were getting closer to, to landing, and he folded his laptop up, and and I started trying to talk with him again. He said, sir, I already told you I'm a Christian, but I believe it's all the same. It doesn't matter if you're a Muslim or a Hindu or an atheist or a Christian. It doesn't matter as long as you're sincere. And I said, sir, you shocked me. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, when I sat down beside you, you told me that you work for IBM. I just assumed that you were rational. <laughs> and he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you're sitting there with a straight face. You're not even smiling, telling me that you believe in 30 million gods of Hinduism and no god of Buddhism and a creator god of the Bible all at the same time. He said, well... I've never thought about it that way before. I said, sir, you better think about it that way. It can't all be true. It cannot all be true. And there's no proof whatsoever for any of that other false religion. But there's plenty of proof for who our Savior is and what this book is. And ignorance doesn't change anything. Here's the truth. Men and women need Christ. 
men and women without Christ, not only are they on their way to hell, which is an awful thought, but they, there's no happiness, there's no fulfillment. There's a part of a person missing if they don't know Jesus. No fish. Sad words. Preoccupation with self. I'm not fussing, I'm just pointing out the obvious truth. You know why a lot of young people don't want to go to the mission field? They'd rather stay home and play video games. Now, I'm not, I'm not opposed to a video game or a ball game, and, but let me tell you something. There are some things in life more important than making lots of money. There's some things more important in life than who won what game. Uh, two weeks ago, I was down in North Carolina at a conference, and Saturday night we were having a banquet, and they had the ball game on. Duke was playing North Carolina, and I know this is not... I know I'm in Connecticut, but uh, that church was full of Duke fans. And the pastor, played, he pulled for North Carolina. And it was the last game, official game, in that stadium for the coach who had been there for forever and won national championships. And North Carolina beat Duke. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with that. I had a lot of fun watching that pastor gloating. But can I just say, there's, there are things in life a lot more important than who won what ball game. Next year, I want nobody to care who won Duke or North Carolina. A lot of young people and older people, too, spend their time today seeking after power and popularity. Who in the world in their right mind would want to be president of these United States anymore? Amen. I just... I don't know about you, but I don't want to stand before my Lord and say, Lord, no fish. Let me give you my last point tonight. You remember my outline? Go fish. Sometimes we have to say, Lord, don't have any. I haven't caught any. No fish. But let me give you my third one, a very sobering one tonight. But Jesus said to these men, Oh, fish. Oh, fish. Say, I haven't been catching any recently. Ask God to forgive you and, and go back after it. Go fish. And Jesus said, oh, fish, so you failed. Jesus said, say not ye there yet four months, and then come at the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they're white already unto harvest. What if we don't fish? They're fishing the rivers, they're fishing the ocean, they're fishing the ponds. Folks, there are people everywhere you look that need to know Christ. Well, so Brother Godfrey, how do you, you just tell them about it. You know what, if you don't go prepared, you probably won't witness anybody. I don't go, I don't, I think I can say this safely, I don't go anywhere without gospel tracts. I mean, if you're going to catch fish, you've got to have some bait, right? Let me tell you something else I'll help you. Put a smile on your face. If you got Jesus in your heart, it shows up on your face. And Jesus said, fish. And if we don't fish, the ripe harvest fields of this world, the fruit may be falling off the branches and off the vines. It gets ripened beyond its usefulness. Let's reach young people. The world is dying. Well, I tell you what. I don't want to get into prophecy and all that tonight. 
I'll leave that to your pastor. He's, he does it. But you cannot listen to the news right now without believing that the coming of Christ is soon. And he said to us, go fish. Go fish. It's not an option. It's not an afterthought. It's not an additional side item. It's what, it's what we're to do. Christ is coming back. If, if I saw a blind man on the railroad track and uh, blind and deaf, and we're, I was talking in one of the classes today, and that man was standing there and he didn't know the train was coming, what would you do? What would I do? I'll tell you what I think I'd do. I'd forget my Baptist dignity and go running and clob, I'd knock him off the, whatever I had to do to get him off the track because I don't want him to get run over by a train. If I was standing on the side of the road and knew that the bridge was out further on and I saw a car coming, I think I'd stand on the side of the road or out in the road, jump up and down, stop, stop, don't do that, don't go there. The bridge is out. Amen. We need to have our hearts broken again for lost people. It's not so much the place. Do you know in missions, I think probably the place that is where you're going to serve, that may be the least important thing. What really counts is, is my heart broken for people? Are my hands busy? Is my billfold open? Little boy heard his daddy praying for missions, and the boy said to his dad, Dad, if I had your money, I'd answer your prayers. But anyway, that's neither. How much... How much do we really believe what we say we believe? Simple thought tonight. Jesus said, you follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I want to do that. I've been doing it for 55 years now. I get to do it in multiple languages. There's nothing that thrills my heart more than sharing the gospel. I like to share the gospel with anybody. Uh, just recently, I was in a different state, and my phone rang, and it was a friend. And, and I saw his name. So how many of you don't answer your phone if you don't know the number anymore? <laughs> All right, I saw my friend's name. I answered my phone because I thought it was going to be him. And I answered it, and, and this voice came and said, uh, salam malikum. And I said, malikum salam. And he said, bajam mangam. And I said, jamarek. And he said, nagadefwai. And I said, mangifirek. And he said, no tuda. What's your name? I said, asan latuda. And I had a 15 minute conversation in the United States of America with a Muslim from Senegal because my friend was out door knocking and he met a man that spoke English with a little accent. And he said to him, where are you from? And he said, well, I'm from Senegal. And my friend said to him, do you speak Wolof? Well, that African, it just, it just knocked him over. How did he know anything about Wolof? Americans don't know it's a language. And the man said, well, yes, I speak Wolof. And he speaks French. And he, so he asked my friend, do you speak Wolof? And he said, no. But I have a friend who does. And I went fishing <laughs> on the telephone. You see, folk, that's what we do. Jesus said, go in all the world. And preach the gospel. Jesus said in the same thing, but in a different way. If 
follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I hope tonight, I've just encouraged you a little bit. Don't leave it to the missionaries and pastor to do. It's for all of us. We can all fish. We may be fishing in a different pond, but it's all right. There are fish everywhere you go. And dear God, I pray tonight 